0: I know you're going to dig this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will. You are listening to episode 198. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about uh, if we could dream and if we could we we could own the DC comic world, what would we do to fix things and make things better in our minds? Um, you can listen to us kind of talk about that a bit today. But I, I say us because I'm not alone. I have the Roscoe Bros with me. So say hello, gentlemen.
1: Uh, hey, it's us again, the Roscoe Brothers. I'm, of course, Jingles Roscoe. I brought my younger brother, Smiter Roscoe, with me. Hello, everyone. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about stuff.
0: Yeah. So before we do that, of course, I always want to try to ask uh, the question uh, that I've been asking the last few episodes, which is what made you happy this week? Uh, what's something that you enjoyed, whether it be a TV show, a comic book, or, or whatever that, that brought some light into your world? Uh, and I'm going to start off with a simple thing, which is uh, that dang Primal show, man. I'm telling you, I just watched the latest episode of Primal, and oh my gosh. Um, they get deeper into this story with only like a couple of, well, maybe one or two episodes left in the whole season. And I hope that uh, through all this craziness that's going on with time, with uh, Discovery and Warner Brothers, that they don't mess with that show, let, let that thing go. Because, I mean, Genndy's on a whole other level telling stories with this show. So that's something that brought me pleasure, brought me joy.
1: Very nice. Well, uh, I don't know about Smiter because I, I know he's not – He's not really a big fan of, of this whole thing, but uh, uh, he and I, uh, we watched the entire first season of Sandman. Um, I don't think that made Smiter particularly excited because I know he, he doesn't like Sandman very much. I've
2: done nothing but disparage anyone from trying to watch Sandman. (laughs)
1: That's a huge lie. Snyder's the biggest Sandman nerd that I I know personally. Oh, my God. It's so good.
2: (laughs) We've been really, (laughs) really enjoying it. It's so weird and it's so different. Uh, I'm talking about the comic. Like, from the perspective of having read the entire comic, the uh, show has done a great job of capturing the spirit of the comic and putting that forward. Mm-hmm. I have uh,
1: something that I, I've, I've really enjoyed because I don't know anything about Sandman yeah. I watched a video uh, by Comic Drake talking about the endless and, and talking about all that stuff that he put out two years ago uh, and then the Sandman show came out and then people were like yelling at Comic Drake for like spoiling the show and it's like I made that video two years ago <laughs> okay, for about a comic that's Like thirty years old,
0: right? Neil Gaiman has (laughs) been only doing Sandman since like the what the late eighties,
1: early nineties. Early nineties, okay, yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, don't forget, early nineties is thirty years ago now. Yeah,
0: yeah, true. I was gonna say, what was it, Death, the High Cost of Living? Uh, Just as far as the artistic piece, is just really great. Uh, I do love the look of Death, and I know that has based loosely on an actress that uh, I believe Neil Gaiman may have known. And so, when uh, he passed uh, Chris Bocciolo the pictures and stuff like that, those sort of things he wanted her to try to mimic with some of the look that this actress had. Um, But I am of the opinion that if you can have. There are certain things you don't. that aren't black and white when it comes to roles. And so. You know, but I've seen a lot of clips where people take like the comics and they'll literally put the comic panels beside it, and then they'll play a clip from the show, and it's like literally exactly like it. They said it kind of feels like a newer version of the idea of what they did with Sin City, that they took a lot of the actual stuff from the comics and put it into the script word for word. So I thought that was really cool.
2: Yeah, so far. Yeah, I don't want to talk too
1: much about Sandman because I'm sure we're going to do like an actual episode on the show. Yeah. And talk about the comic as well. Oh my God, it's so it's Sandman is massive, yeah. um, but I really enjoyed that this week.
2: Yeah. Okay, and you know, we can definitely For, do
0: that. That's not a problem at all. That, that's that's not a problem at all. Um, I don't know that I Death will get from to the watch.
2: Comic it. is my punk rock princess. Ah,
0: yes. yeah, yeah. I can see it, and that's the thing about it, man, is that uh, the endless. You know, there's there's several of them, not just, you know, Morpheus and Death, but others as well. Uh, But I think it's interesting, too, they talk about the relationship between Morpheus and Death and how they really respect each other as siblings, more so than some of the other Endless that are around them. So I thought that was really cool that they kept that in in the Netflix show. So that's a plus in the right direction. And so, Smiter, was that the thing that made you happy this week, or did you have something else in mind?
2: I have to... Come on, man. I have to have something completely different. Yeah. (laughs) Smiter and I are not the same person. We're not the same person. I would never say you two
0: are, but I was just... You know, I was just asking.
2: Let's see. Yeah, but it was good enough, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me see. One thing that... Because I'm happy... (laughs) <laughs> you know I uh I think one thing that's really made me happy is and it's made me happy in a way that I wasn't expecting and that is st- working in earnest to write a novel
0: yeah, I've been hearing a lot of cool things about this novel you've been working on. It's pretty dope. Yeah,
2: you saw I posted on Facebook that I basically putting my nose, putting my nose to the grindstone, and actually just trying my hardest to really, really. Well, it's going to sound really redundant to say to try to really try, but. For the sake of context, I have this really nasty tendency to start and then just fall off after a while. And it happens for a lot of stuff and for a lot of projects. And it's happened a lot for wanting to have a career as a writer. And... um. And I, I'm beginning to find that a lot of different ways and a lot of different times that my depression was actually tied to my ability to produce something, to mm-hmm. create something. And ever since I started... And I technically started last month with short stories and just trying to do writing sprints and get those down so that I can do better at actually putting down a novel. And now that um, I'm actually trying this month to write a novel... And I guess I don't like the word trying with it anymore. It's I am writing a novel this month. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be around fifty to sixty thousand words. And I'm afterwards I'm gonna refine it, revise it, just like you should with anything else. And then eventually publish it. And I'm hoping to self publish it. And there's I find something Fulfilling about that Not Not in a Big romantic Revelation but I find Something Quietly fulfilling about it And it feels like It just steadies me throughout the day To know that I wrote something And and that I Sat down and I spent time And I just put down More of the novel Mm -hmm. and so that's making me happy I feel like that's making me happy in a very personal and intimate way okay
0: and there's nothing wrong with that I'll tell you as somebody who's written a few things and published them and then just recently is starting the process of rebuilding that book into a bigger book with all the stories in it um, I can tell you each step you take closer to the end it's one step closer than about 80% of the people on the planet that say they want to do what you're doing Mm-hmm. So if you're taking the strides each day, even if you're only getting, say, you know, a hundred to you know, a thousand words a day or whatever, um, you're 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 plodding and you're pushing through. The thing about it is that consistency will help you get it done quicker, as well. Mm-hmm. So don't be distressed about the short days where you only get down so many words and then you're contemplating or whatever. Uh, something I found it was really interesting too, and it's something I'm going to be using in the near future myself. Uh, Google Docs has a thing that you can literally just turn on your microphone and just talk into it and it will actually do your voice transcriptions
2: yeah i've I've heard about that that I'm not doing that okay not to, not and I, and I realize saying it like that sounds like I'm not doing that you gross don't d- get that away from me that's not what I mean I mean I'm literally not doing that I am physically writing out my stories okay and uh handwriting it yeah i'm handwriting it and uh yeah i try to get about anywhere between uh 1500 to 1700 words a day and um if for those listening check out my twitter at roscoe smiter one word and um You'll see every day. I'll post some. I'll tweet about it. Uh, what my word count is, and but I also tweet about just ridiculous nothings that happen in my brain throughout the day. So that's so that's another thing that I'm doing. I'm finally using Twitter and Facebook.
0: Okay, nothing wrong with either of those things when used in proper and mm-hmm. used properly to to do things mm-hmm. like elevate something as opposed to tear something down. It's a plus in the right direction. So yeah. Um, yeah, but that's and what I think
2: like I, I think at this point, with credit with full understanding of where the idea comes from, I think uh, I think we as adults shouldn't like treat Twitter like it's this time bomb that's gonna consume everyone. I think it's it's just a tool like anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, just just try not to give in where you feel like you don't need to. But anyway, uh, I'm happy that I'm writing. Yeah, and I'm posting and I'm tweeting. Pretty as if I can help it, every day. My progress on that
0: any uh any idea when you'll be able to give us a little sneak peek into the world of what you're writing for this
1: novel oh it's not going to be for the public it's just for him yeah it's just going to (laughs) stay it's just going
2: to stay in my notebook as a first draft that's a just a nasty nasty first draft okay i'm kidding um (laughs) i'm kidding now uh I don't know I know i I to tell you the truth I've been so focused on just doing the work that I haven't even considered when to start talking about starting advertising it but uh if you like things like inglorious bastards and Wolfenstein, then I imagine some of this is gonna resonate with you interesting 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 okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Whatever that means, whatever what, that means. I hope I it know. finds it. <laughs>
0: yeah, it'll be cool to hear about it once we do get. Once you do get to the place where you feel like you'd want to talk about it, so that'd be cool. Sure,
2: uh, sure.
0: Anyway, uh, we're gonna carry from here. Uh, thank you, by the way, for listening to what makes us happy. I feel like that's something that gives you a little bit of insight into us as people. So thank you for listening to that. But we're going to get into the subject of the, if we could dream and we own the DC comic book world, what we do to make things better. We're kind of talking before we're recording about some of the problems that DC Comics has been having lately um, concerning, you know, the whole thing with David Zasloff and the whole um, looking at the books and checking to see if the DC Comics division are making money like they're supposed to be. And then because if they're not making the money like they're supposed to be, what's David Zizoff's plan to deal with the property? Uh, One of the things that I didn't talk about with you guys is the fact that apparently McFarland, Tom McFarland and McFarland Toys are not only doing the uh, DC Multiverse stuff that they've been doing. Uh, By the way, McFarland's just been doing a lot of toys. Uh, Avatar Last Airbender, he recently started doing My High School Academia. He started doing, uh, of course, the Spawn figures that he was doing well before that. My Hero Academia. Did I not say my Hero Academia? What did I say? You
1: said my high school Academia. So close. close. My Hero Academia. I
0: know what my Hero Academia is. I don't know why I said my high school Academia. That's weird. Like I own manga from My Hero.
1: (laughs) My High School of the Dead Academia. But uh, don't you invoke it? Don't you dare invoke <laughs> its name. He the also name of High School of the Dead. He
0: also recently started doing these little. If you go into Walmart's and places like that, your big box stores, uh, he's recently started doing these little minifigures. But they also have comics in them. And if you'll notice, in the back of the comics, when you look at the back of the actual packaging, it has, you know, I, Intellectual Property of Black Adam, for example, because they did a Black Adam comic. Intellectual Property of Black Adam, owned by DC, Brother, DC Comics and Warner Brothers. Comic book produced by McFarlane Toys. And so it's like, how is McFarlane able to produce the comics? To be redone when DC already did these, and they did the same thing for Batman, they did the same thing for Superman, they did the same thing for the Flash one because it's a Flashpoint comic. And apparently, the deal they have with McFarlane is is with these books that he has to be listed as the producer for them, so that that way he's getting the majority of the money for the production of the figurines. And so we are already seeing more of this idea of lending out the licensing of producing the comic books to McFarland. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the projects coming out, I think early next year, is going to be a Batman-Joker team-up drawn by Mark Stravinsky that did, of course, uh, Team Strike Strikeforce uh, for Image and a whole bunch of other artwork for the X-Men prior back in the day. Uh, and it's going to be called the uh, Batman and Joker, the most dangerous duo. And kind of this idea that in an alternate reality that Joker basically became the Robin for Batman. And so they're doing that, but then McFarland is also doing another Batman Spawn crossover book. And the way they've got the licensing set up for it is, is that McFarland is the one producing the book. DC owns the IP for Batman, but they're allowing McFarland to use Batman for the purpose of his story. He's writing the story. So, you know, of course, as long as they don't, Totally, you know, do something against the IP of Batman, then they're going to let it slide, whatever he chooses to do. Uh, Jim Lee is working on a secret project that will be under the Wildstorm banner with a DC character at some point. Similar situation. Uh, where again, the IP is DC's and then DC's and Warner's, but the production and the quality and stuff of the book itself is being done by the people who are doing it. Uh, of course, IDW did a bunch of stuff like that for Marvel for a while. They didn't do well with it, but they tried. Uh, They did like this Marvel Adventure book where they were doing it for a while. And then, of course, IDW has also been doing these crossovers with DC characters, for example. They did the Star Trek Green Lantern book. Uh, They've done a Star Trek, I believe they've done a Star Trek Justice League book as well. And then, of course, stuff like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and stuff like that. So there's already been this began to be this thing where... Companies outside of DC have been able to produce these books with their characters. Allowing the IP allowing the IPs to be used. They're still owners of the IP but they actually have these other people producing these comic books. And so I think it's interesting because you know I think we had a dialogue a while back about you know why would DC sell the comic book rights to these companies in order to to produce the books. And I'm like I think this stuff with McFarland and stuff with Mark Stravinsky and stuff with Jim Lee and other people who may come on board, this may be testing. I mean, again, that's, you know, where does speculation land at this point? We can't guarantee that that's what's going to happen. But it certainly seems like when they're looking at the books and they're going, okay, the top 100 books, the majority of the books that DC has on the top 100 are all Batman-related books. Like Justice League barely is cracking the top 100. It's like Justice League is your big team book. You know, how is it that it's not crossing that in that area? I mean, Wonder Woman and Superman aren't even getting in those top 100 numbers. You know, And with them, of course, going in the film division and said we're going to focus on the IPs of these characters. We're going to focus on the IPs of Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Black Adam and Shazam and Flash and these other people. It's like I'm kind of beginning to wonder what, what could happen in the land of D.C. So my thought was, hey, what would we do differently if we had the billions and billions of dollars to have purchased D.C., from warner before time to before discovery got in and merged with tom warner so that's my thought that's my question i'm gonna shut up now let you guys talk uh i will let uh jingle start us off and then let him pass the baton to the next person
1: okay uh well first of all for concerning the things that you just said right now um that just sounds like one-off things that doesn't sound like anybody over there is going to be taking up the publishing rights to the main DC stuff anytime soon. Um, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening in the near future at all. Um, Because that's a lot of books. That's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. And these companies already have so many of their own properties that they need to handle themselves. So to me, it doesn't sound like a, a test run or anything. We've had crossovers. We've had guests. We've had other people do this in the past. Let's not forget about the amalgam universe. Um, that was a shared thing. All so, dust now. It's all dust now. Uh, so it's just another one of those things to me. Unless like something dramatic happens, uh, I don't see this being like uh, okay. They're just gonna give the comics to somebody else to to just there. It's theirs now. Um, but as I was saying during the stream yesterday, um, I don't really think that there's a whole lot that the comics themselves can do to, to drive up sales at this point. Um, I don't think that there's a ton because, uh, I don't read any of them, but I've been told by, by various sources that DC has been doing a really good job writing cool, interesting new stories and new concepts. And, and, uh really releasing some really solid stories recently um but they're not selling um and i think that i think there's two major reasons for that i i can't be sure without looking at the numbers it's just from what i'm putting together in my head i think the two big things that are causing this to happen one is that manga is just has taken over uh and and manga with their long form stories that go from beginning to end some of them much longer than others um with interest like a focus on on story and action um the most popular manga uh have a lot of uh really nicely intricately done art that's um And, and like people have been selling like attractive characters as like a main thing. And the, the, a lot of the series that have been coming out have been stuff that I don't read because like, it's like, oh, the, the time I, I got reincarnated as a slime and it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a pervy guy. And now I'm like hanging out with all these hot fantasy women and they, they press me up against a chest and it's nice. And I'm like, cool, that's some teenagers are going to buy that, especially teenage guys. They would be really interested to read that, but it's not something that I want to read. Now, there's plenty of really, really good stuff that's been coming out. My Hero Academia is huge. Demon Slayer is huge. Uh, Obviously, like just um, Shonen Jump is still like killing it with new stuff chainsaw man came out of nowhere and people love chainsaw man um it's really stupid it's really dumb it's great (laughs) people love it i like how you said Uh, that
0: it's really dumb but it's great
1: (laughs) no it's not but it's great it is it's it's really dumb it's great it's great (laughs) it's great and dumb Mm. it's it's awesome do uh, not
2: confuse yourselves mm, with these words.
1: Yes, for things can be dumb and great.
2: Mm-hmm. Both. We are creatives. We live in an era of opposites coexisting.
1: They're not opposites; they are complementary. Exactly. Mm-hmm, yes. Um, and so, that one of the big things is that manga is is just people really really like reading manga, and teenagers have moved on pretty heavily from reading comics to to reading manga um the second thing is um that i think is is one of the major causes for this like non-sale of the comics is the fact that dc's movies have been just not good um there's been like not a strong batting average not a strong batting average right now um There have been some good ones that have been good. I liked Wonder Woman, the first one, a lot. Uh, I liked The Batman a lot. I liked Shazam a lot. Um, But all the others are like, I thought it was okay, too. I didn't like that at all, and it was smelly. Um, And because of that, and because now DC has this reputation with these movies... People are not interested in buying the comics because they're like, oh, if that's what the character is, I don't want to read the comic on that because it's going to be bad. And th- th- this is not from a comic collector standpoint or a comic fan standpoint. This is from a general public standpoint. Uh Obviously we as comic fans know that there's some really, really amazing stories still being written now. And also, Uh, from the past uh, some incredible stories and I've been slowly collecting those really good ones Um, but the fact of the matter is I think that the fact that the majority of DC's movies have been mediocre um, have uh, contributed to people being like well I don't want to I don't want to read the comics about that then Um, so I think It's not the comics that need to do something about it. I think, honestly, I think the movies need to start being better. Um, And by the movies um, becoming better, I believe that that will then contribute to a better, um, a, a bigger number of people coming and being interested in like, well, I want to read about this character it that's how it worked for marvel like i know like comic sales have uh, comic sales skyrocket for characters that are going to be introduced in the mcu and people are going to be all like oh i want to see what this is all about um and so um like people have been buying iron man comics i don't know why but um i guess there was like a couple of really good movies about the character and And so people got interested, and they wanted to read more about it. Um, now, also the there there's like a kind of a stigma with new comics coming out because there's like just weird decisions that are made. And it feels like the only time that comics the the new comics are in the news is because there's a change that happened that made everybody upset. And because that's the news that comes out. People are like, well, I'm not going to read that. And instead of like new stuff where where um, comic people will be all like, um, the comic news will be like, hey, this new story is really great. They don't do that. The only people that do that are like comic channels that are like, I just read this. It's really good. I recommend it. Or I just read I just read I'm not Starfire. It made me mad and I'm not going to read that. Or I don't recommend it. And then I'm like, cool, I'm not going to read it then. Um, but that's a like a heavy reliance on like comic YouTubers and most comic YouTubers, because that's just the way that YouTube works, will only focus on like the controversial stories. Um, now, not all of them will, and not all of the, uh, the stories that come out are, are controversial. I I really like comic Drake because he, he likes to dive deep on it. Like, who are these characters? Where do they come from? And his whole thing about Sandman was really, really good. And, uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, but I, I think that that's probably the major contributing factors to the non, non sales. I'll say of the, of the new comics like the the people want to read manga and the movies haven't been great. I think those are the two things. What do you th- what do you think should be done, bro? I think uh you're onto something.
2: Um it's really tough without um a stronger ad campaign for comics. We're also talking about one of the biggest comic book houses on the planet. And they don't seem to want to try to get their name out there for their comics. Which is fascinating to me. Yeah, the MCU is, has, has been their biggest cash cow ever for Marvel. But they also... They also point a lot of their attention back onto the comics themselves. So this is really tricky, and I really do feel like you probably hit the nail on the head with the two major contributing factors, is that, yeah, manga has really blown up. There are a lot more services to just read things free online. Mm -hmm. Some of them are legal. Some of them are legal. Okay. Um, especially when I like thinking back about manga coming in and really shaking up the comics market. It's. I it, it it reminds me of when you and I were first getting into manga mm-hmm. and. That was an explosive wave. Like, we were on the edge of that tidal wave coming in and just wrecking house. It It just felt like no matter what manga was coming on over, it was good because first they had to trickle in with the really good stuff. Yep. They really had to vet out anything that they didn't think would be a cash cow for them Mm -hmm. and now with how saturated the market is with manga we're also seeing a lot of garbage that you're seeing Mm -hmm. a lot of mid-shelf manga and a lot of low-shelf manga yeah and it kind of makes it harder for a reader to sift through it all We also get crazy situations like a manga that blows up that doesn't have that great of art. Mm -hmm. But the writing and the premise is so strong that it carries it into the stratosphere and then everybody's talking about Attack on Titan.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about One Punch Man.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, One Punch Man fixed their fixed their art problem before uh it reached before it became an anime. No,
1: hmm. well, one was doing the art before and then it got popular and then uh Shonen Jump gave him uh the gave art- him a real artist, like a real artist, Yeah, and then Oh uh, yeah. one was able to write. That's what anime. I'm
2: saying, like they fixed that problem before it became an anime. Um I also think about like the uh, manga as it is is far more focused on telling a tighter story. Usually overall and that's a lot of what we end up getting, mm-hmm. is small series that carry on for six, six to like ten volumes, right? And then it's done, that's and then a, it, the, and then the artist moves on to the next thing.
1: It's it's similar in in a way to when when mini series are put out. Yes, they're like, oh, this is just going to be a temporary thing, you know. Then you get like a nice short, concise story. Exactly. Uh, Whereas most of the time with, uh, most American comics, um, you'll have like an arc Mm -hmm. and like, sometimes that goes on for too long. Sometimes writers slash artists leave halfway through and then different guys come on to try and like change the story Sometimes fans don't like it, and so it needs to be changed again. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and then after like a super duper long time, then it got, went on for far too long. Then you have the clone saga, and nobody's happy. And then we're just not happy anymore. Uh, and then, but then we have to hold out longer until we can get Miles Morales. Yeah, uh, and then when it comes to like a mini series it's like okay well we're going to get all the art done we're going to put it out and we're going to call it good um and usually like it'll get out and regardless of what the fans say if they don't like it um then they probably just won't buy the the mini series which will last somewhere between 4 to 6 issues um and that's not a bad thing no That thing about
2: what makes that sort of work is that it's a concept that's tested and sort of seen out to its inevitable conclusion. Uh, If a writer and an artist team can take that concept and spread it out to about 10 volumes, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. Especially if they feel like, okay, we explored that world as much as we could. Right. But then you've got DC, who is constantly having to bring in new talent to revitalize something that, hey, maybe should have wrapped up a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But that's also another issue just with American comics. How many times have we heard the statement, I just don't know. Okay, where do I start?
1: Yeah. I think there needs to be a, a, a more of a focus on like mini series to like have little stories and mm-hmm. have them like wrap up, mm-hmm. right? Um, another thing, uh, d- d- and this is just indicative of the manga industry itself. Manga creators uh, are constantly there's always a constant chance that their manga is going to be canceled just at any time just at any time if the fans just like suddenly are just like nah i don't want to read that no more um and then like you know the ranking system it's all explained in bakumen everybody buy bakumen it's It's very very good good. it's very Um, very good and so because of that that's that puts you in a completely different mindset than with the western comics which have like long running stuff and like issue number 3000 or whatever. Um, I remember when Todd McFarlane did the art for Spider-Man number 300 and that was a huge thing. that was in the nineties.
2: That's right. Yeah. And
1: then, but not, but a couple years ago, he, he did the cover for spawn number 300. And it's like, these stories have been going on for a very long time. Um, I think personally, the the books that I like to collect more than anything are like miniseries, um, stuff like All Star Superman. It's compact. It's a beautiful story and involves Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think more of a focus on like graphic novels. Yeah, might help boost stuff, mm-hmm. and they'd be tight, compact, self-contained stories. Um, those are the things that I like to buy and I like to collect. I lost my mind this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Spider and I went to Big City, USA. Yeah. Um, Which we haven't done in a long time. Yeah. And we, we went walked to, the streets
2: and we beat up guys. We
1: beat up some guys. and We collected the money that exploded out of them. And when we then beat them. we had some really nice steak dinners that
2: were in trash cans for some reason.
1: Yeah. We pounded the trash cans and out came the steak dinners. Mm hmm. Um, but after all of that, we went to the to the mall uh and we went to uh Barnes and Noble out there, and uh I lost my mind and I bought Smyder this huge Sandman book. And it's like it's so convenient because Sandman doesn't go on forever. It's it's huge. It's huge, but it doesn't go on forever. I think if I read correctly, like the collected volumes, there's mm-hmm. only ten of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how many, like, issues there are, but there's 10 of the collected ones. Right. Which would be, it's so easy to collect that. Yeah. And have that on your shelf and you can just reference it. And it's not, it, like, that, collecting all of those single issues would be a nightmare. I would hate to do that. But having it collected like that in a graphic novel-esque book, it's so much more convenient. I bought the three jokers story and that's very short comparatively Mm. um but it was like oh it's short it's self-contained it has a great story uh with great uh art in it easy buy super easy whereas if like the three jokers was like uh an arc in a long standing thing and you're like oh i have to collect the five issues here it's like really spread out yeah
2: it's like a couple of issues where they deal with that arc here, Mm -hmm. deal with something else completely different. And then a couple more issues here. Yeah.
1: And so like, I wouldn't want to do that. I would hate that. Um, and so usually nowadays when I collect comics, it's certain runs done by certain authors or it's like small self-contained stories. Um, and collecting manga, which I've been doing for like coming up on like close to twenty years now, mm-hmm. good lord, um, I've been—it's so easy and convenient and inexpensive. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to just buy the next volume for like I think they've gotten up to like fifteen dollars or yeah, something. Yeah, you're like not that. worried if like the artist
2: is gonna stop and start working on something else. Yeah. You know that the story is going to continue as long as you know, Shonen Jump doesn't decide to cancel it, right?
1: And then there, obviously, that there are some um, exceptions to the to the rule of short, self-contained stories. Mm-hmm. There's stuff. The, the most popular Shonen Jump stories go on for decades. Um, and the one of the longest run, running ones, being like, One Piece, and like, fans and critics both agree One Piece is really really good. Yeah, but it's also really really, really long, long.
2: <laughs> and it's not done. And it, yeah, and it's going to end soon, but we don't
1: know when. We we swear. Um, and even like I keep seeing stuff that uh, on the best friend subreddit people post like new things coming out and everybody's all like, this is so good. Ah! And, like, <laughs> <putting it around. laughs> and, and like people don't really do that a whole lot with most American comics these days. Right. Um, And so I, I think that probably a, a good solution might be just, Focus on either some miniseries or focus on like smaller graphic novels. Mm-hmm. You know that would that would be my focus, especially right. considering like the way comics really began was like a way for poor people to entertain themselves, right? Poor children to entertain themselves. Oh boy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now collecting comics is not cheap anymore, mm-hmm. and um it's kind of become a hobbyist thing and so there needs to be a balancing act for that as well um so it's it's tough i don't think that there's a a complete answer but i think keeping kind of that stuff in mind that we've brought up so far i i, I think that's probably the the best solution that i can come up with right and i'm a nothing nobody from nowhere so You don't have to listen to me anyway. You don't have to listen to a single thing that we say. I'm barely a writer. Warner Discovery hire these guys. Hire us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Did you have anything else to say? No, that was pretty much it. All right, Will. We, We have a sponsor.
1: So, we've been
0: sponsored. Have you ever tested your nerd kung fu? If you ever Nerd Kung Fu. Nerd Kung Fu, yes. You're a nerd Kung Fu. Now, I know what you're thinking. What is nerd Kung Fu? Because it's not like we're going to get a bunch of nerds fighting in a ring. But maybe it's about how you look. Maybe it's about being able to show off that nerd thing that you dig. You know what I mean? Do you like The Office? Do you like Star Wars? Do you like Jurassic Park? Do you like video games, anime, movies, etc.? Because if you do, you can get your nerd Kung Fu on. In the description on the podcast, there will be a link. You can go there and you can order up to your heart's desire on anything from shirts to socks to posters and all sorts of things. Even The Godfather. So If you're down into movies and video games and comic books and things like that. TV shows even. I mean, like I said, The Office. Firefly is represented. They got all sorts of stuff. It's all legally licensed official stuff. Jingle, Spider, uh, what's your nerd kung fu?
1: Uh, My nerd kung fu is weak but I feel like by following the link in the description I might be able to make it stronger.
2: Smider, what's your nerd kung fu? My nerd kung fu is a
1: southern style.
2: It uh, is very fast, very aggressive, mostly uses just the two first knuckles on my hand to knock people out but that's only because the stunt people are kind enough to fall over.
0: It's up to you how your nerd kung fu is. But we appreciate you checking it out and grabbing the link and getting your stuff from NerdCogfu.com. Okay, so first of all, I really appreciate y'all talking about the graphic novel thing. One of my favorite like DC things they've ever done was back in the day. The John Byrne Man of Steel run. Uh, great run of comics. Love John Byrne's art. Loved his anatomy. Loved a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm an art person first. So certain artists are gonna have me automatically just go grab their stuff. Like the first time I saw Gerald Ways, uh, and I believe I believe it's Gabriel Ba that does the artwork for Umbrella Academy. The first time I saw that combination of the really good writing along with the really awesome uh, artwork it was just like, oh my gosh, this is great! Um, so it's a great combination of really good writing along with a really good, um, really really good artwork. But every times I've bought really stinker writing things, but because the artwork was good, I kept it because I really enjoyed the art. Uh, but that said, I feel like one thing that really should, you, you know, you hear it always says, you know, the, you know, kind of the old WWE slogan of, uh, then, now and forever. Kind of the idea of, DC, I think is so future focused. I think if they just went back and said, okay, what trades have we not had in publishing for a while like we go back through all the trade paperbacks and the stuff that we haven't published in the last 20 years and we said okay you know what we're gonna do the year 2023 what we're gonna focus on for 2023 is just giving you the stories we've done in traded format if we never traded it we're gonna trade it if we traded it we're gonna sell it to you and we're gonna sell it to you at the rate at which it was at the time so yeah some some trades are going to be the Elsewhere's Trades. Some of them are going to be $6.99 a pop. Some of those, they're going to be, you know, 18 a pop, depending on which step it is. But what you do is you bring those stories out, and you get them out of their respective vault and you re-bring them back out to the public, so that way people can go back and take a year and just get familiar with the great stories. And D.C. can pick them. I mean, they can do a fan vote type thing. I mean, we're not getting the D.C. fandom this year. But I mean, it'd be interesting if the fans got to say, hey, these are books I really enjoyed growing up. This is stuff I really wished I could see in a trade paperback form. Or, you know, I really, I only, I picked up X amount of issues of say, let's say Superman versus the, uh, Smash is a Clan. I was only able to get the first two issues of that book. I never was able to get the full series. Uh, can you retrade that one out? Which of course it's still out there, but let's just say, you know, they stopped publishing it after a while. You know, you, right. you bring those things back out there and then what happens is is that you give people a year to really catch up. They're not necessarily reading a whole lot of news stories. You could still do you could you could lower the total amount down to say ten titles. Because I you could you could do easily you could do Superman, Wonder Woman, whatever version of Wonder Woman we're getting. Um you could have Batman because, of course, Batman is your biggest seller. Uh, you could have Aquaman, Shazam, and like some of your Justice League. You don't need all of them because some of them could just show up in the Justice League book as guest stars. Like, say you have a really good story with Martian Manhunter in as a backup story for Justice League. And then somebody's like, oh, hey, man, it'd be cool to see another uh, Martian Manhunter story. You know, you get your letters column each month. Um, and I don't see a whole lot of letters columns anymore. That's one thing I noticed. I noticed that the fan feedback is not as big as it used to be back in the day. Because back in the day, every comic had a fan letter issue and everybody wrote to them. And it would tell them how they loved the series or how they didn't like the series. And people would take, take time to look at the storylines based on that response. You know? Sometimes you see a series end a little sooner because people would be like, Hey, you know, I feel like, you know, do we re- is this really going to take 12 issues to tell this story? And so sometimes they condense it down to six. You know, and other times they would, you know, be like, yeah, we got to tell the story in twelve, but stick with us. It's going to be a really great story by the end, for example. And that's kind of how they would respond back. Because again, you get that feedback from the writers, you get the feedback from the artists, and they're just like, hey, we've got this really awesome thing coming up. There's going to be this and this happen, or whatever. And you get that opportunity for that. You get that interaction. Because I feel like that's something that we're missing in the comic world, because fans should be able to actually speak to the artist. Fans should be able to speak to the writers. And no, it's not a gatekeeping thing because here's the deal. Twitter, anybody can reach out to them. They have access whether they want it or not. But I'm saying that when it comes to some of the storyline beats and things like that, you know, it's one thing if Smiter has been reading Justice League for the last 15 years. And Spider comes in and is like, hey man, you know, I've been reading this book for the last 15 years and I'm fairly interested in this Hawkman storyline, but it really feels like you're kind of cutting him short. Like you started it, but then you didn't give us anything else. I finished reading the book. Man, I really wish you had to see how that storyline was going to play out. And then they could come back and be like, well, give it another week or two. We've got a backup story where we're going to finish the storyline to the Hawkman in that book, in the book. You know, because we had another thing. It's just X or Y or Z happened. so we couldn't get into it. You know what I mean? Because then you're getting the responses from the people reading this stuff. And so you take that year, you really rebuild your stories. And then they could even do a classic line of some books. Like I know for a while, Marvel was doing the dollar books to where there were dollar books that got you on a point from an older story. And they'd be like, okay, hey, like Young Avengers, for example, they did a Young Avengers number one. It was a buck. And it was like, okay, if you want to read the rest of this story, here's the trade. You know, go pick the trade up. You can find out the rest of the story. You give them just enough to wet their, their appetites. And you do like a few of those a month. And you're running, let's say you do 10 of those a month. So now you're at 20 total books. You're doing 10 classics and you're doing 10 current stories. And then every so many issues, you're going to trade those stories. So that way people say, well, you know, man, I, my comic book store didn't get, you know, my comic book store didn't get enough number twos in. So I couldn't complete my set. So let me go get the trade. Or, man, I've got one through five, but I'm missing four. You know, let me go pick the trade up, you know, and then that way I can have it. You know, because a lot of the, that's something that's hard on comic book stores too. You got to work with the comic book stores in order to make it easier for them to get your books. And I know that's a lot to do more with just, because apparently we're getting another uh, production crew that's going to be producing the books to get them to stores. And it's like, so you've got Diamond is still carrying DC some of your DC stuff. You've got the second one that was already created during the pandemic and now you're going to give them a third? Like it almost feels like you're you're giving people more ways to get your books but the problem is is that in doing that it almost feels like you're having to jump through a whole lot more hoops to get the same books. You know, and I understand part of it has to do with the way Diamond kind of treated people back when the pandemic first started but it's like can we shrink it back down just one way? Like hey, you're going to go through this group to order these books. And that's all we're going to do. You want to make sure you get the books you need, uh, you know, and maybe I feel like maybe to help the comic book industry look at the distribution time frame, because I know I think right now it's three months out. So if you do a book order, you know, in June, then you're looking at those books that are coming out in September. And so that's that's kinda how that goes out. And so you're kind of pushing out far enough to where you can kind of get an idea of what's gonna go. But a lot of people it's gonna be more of the hey, we gotta do special orders. Or hey, we need to see what's on people's pull list. And so work with people to find a way, maybe to do it like a direct route where you say, Okay, hey, uh, I ordered six copies of number two, but I need twenty four. Can I get another am I reading out of my account? Yeah. We'll send them out to you, you know, you go ahead and pay us, we'll send them out to you through the next in your next order. So I don't know, it just feels like part of it's distribution, but part of it's also just let's go back a little bit before we go super hard to build the future key. Because like like I just feel like that's your way of fixing it. You don't, you don't you don't totally throw away future storylines, but you build from the past. And then that way people have a foundation to build these other stories on. And if you want to do a Blackest Night trade, okay, you can do Blackest Night, but maybe split it up into smaller chunks. Like maybe a Blackest Night 1, Blackest Night 2. You can do the Blackest Night crossover books in their, separate, in their respective books if there's enough stories. Uh, death Metal, for example. They just did Death Metal, but you had six trades, I think, for all the Death Metal, not counting the Death Metal and then the other stuff that came afterwards. So it's like if you're going to go and get all these books, man, you're going to spend, you're going to drop a minimum of a, hundred, a couple a of couple hundred bucks just to get all the trades. So how can you break that up into smaller chunks to where, yeah, you're spending the same money, but it doesn't feel like you're spending the same money because you can put it out over time. So I feel like a lot of it's really just building from the past to build a good foundation. And then eventually, once you've gone through that year, you've got a bigger trade library that you can sell through. You got a bigger trade library that people can go in and get. I know like Young Justice, when they did the old Young Justice from the 90s, they just released the trades for that again a year ago. To where you can get the old Young Justice books in trade format. And I'm sitting there going like, I was waiting on those. Now the thing is, they're like $30 a pop. So it's like, okay, so I got my first one. Eventually I'll get the other ones. But how long will I have an option to do that before they say, well, we're not going to do it anymore. You know, so I feel like that's the way you do it. I don't feel like you have to you, tell stories that will engage the audience. Tell character-driven stories. I feel like if you tell, because the event bang I think, sometimes hurts comics. You say, well, we're going to do Final Judgment. We're going to do Dark Crisis. We're going to do this. 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 And everybody's coming on from one event to the next event to the next event to the next event to the next event. Because that almost feels like what happens in wrestling, for example. If everything you're doing is set up for the next pay-per-view, and there's no real good story in between, it kind of does. It kind of makes me lose focus on wanting to get to the next big event. But if you're telling really good stories in between, and just happen to be leading to the next big event, you give me some breathing room to go, okay, wow, this is the aftermath of uh, what happened after they were all frozen on ice for six months. Then they came back, and now they're trying to deal with the repercussions, and they're also looking at the world that's different because now the world is looking at them and going, "Hey, you know, we lived just fine without y'all for six months. Why do we need y'all now?" And they tell that story, and then maybe in a couple of months from then, you go to another event. You give some breath in between each each big thing, you know, because if you're just rising and rising and rising and falling, rising and falling, rising and falling, rising and falling event to event to event to event. People get turned off really quick to that eventually. And you just stop showing up altogether. So I feel like that's a big way to help with it. I feel like you build from the past and then eventually start telling bigger stories out of what you're telling in the newer stuff. But then if you if you shift to less of new stuff and you're putting in a lot of time really working, maybe doing some new introductions, maybe going in and adding some extra art from the books that you did, maybe having, like case in point, Todd McFarlane, did a lot of really good art for Batman before he got blew up because uh, he did Batman year two and he also did a cover for a really good cover for like the Jim Arpo run of Batman but what you could do is you could have Todd McFarlane come in and do an intro like hey you know before people knew who I was before I ever did spawn before I ever did all this other stuff man I was working on Batman I did background issues of Batman for this long and this is what this is why I draw Batman this way like he just breaks down maybe how he draws Batman and what Batman means to him. And then you have some extra art maybe that he has of Batman that he's drawn over the years. You make each trade feel like the collectible thing. And it's not just that you don't necessarily need a hollow super limited edition cover with like the, you know, trading card inserts and all that stuff. You just give people more in the trades. So they feel like they've got something in their hands that they can keep it. they can pass on to people later. Oh, man, if you want this definitive Batman story, here, take this. You know, or you know it to be like, oh, I read that. I really want to have it in my library. Let me go buy it. Okay, well, yeah, go to, you know, go to your local comic book store. If you don't have a local comic book store, go to DC.com, you know, or whatever they're calling the DC because it's no longer DC Comics. It's just DC Entertainment, I think. Uh, it's all under that umbrella. So, you know, just go to DC Entertainment, man. Go check it out. You can order the books there, man.
1: Okay. It's dc.com.
0: Oh, dc.com. There you go. And that way you have the way to build that library, but also to build that knowledge. And then as far as I'm concerned with the people on Twitter that want to talk about stuff, if they're not buying the books, I could care less. Like I'll listen to what you got to say, but it's like show me that you're actually buying the books somehow. Show me that you're involved in the process. And then I'll be able to respond to you more. I don't need all my artists and writers responding to 35 people on Twitter every day. And then not getting stuff done in a quality fashion. So, that that's that's my fixed idea: is you really just build from the past and work your way out. Mm. So,
1: I'm um, that that to me, just just thinking about how, like how the money would work in a situation like that, um, that is gonna be more expensive to make and I would assume be more expensive to sell. Um, And I, I, I would hesitate on doing anything that would raise prices because I think price itself might also be a big contributing factor to people not buying some of these books.
0: So, what are we talking in terms of just regular comics? Or are we talking about as far as trades themselves? Because I've mean, the been on trades. Okay. Well, and, and that's why I was saying at the beginning with the trades, if you've already got a trade established, and let's say that trade was made 15 years ago, and that trade 15 years ago sold at 18.99. If they can afford to do it, you keep it at 18 You don't raise the price of the trade. You just keep the price that the trade was at the time it came out. Now, I did say also add the stuff to it, which I mean you could that I can see where that would met maybe raised price. If you're adding a whole another yeah. twenty or thirty pages, or even if you're adding five pages or ten pages, because then you're gonna have to print those pages, you're gonna have to reprint those books. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe separate books that are smaller, to where you could have as addendums. Maybe I don't know. That, I see what you're saying mm-hmm. because that 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 does. Because if you got them out, you can't keep right if you're reprinting and adding more stuff to it. Like, if you go and get the John Byrne Omak run, and you're like, okay, I'm going to get the Omak trade, or I'm going to get the John Byrne Wonder Woman trade. <laughs> uh, Excuse me. Or the, I'm just trying to think of other things, or the Stephen uh Aquaman run that he did, very short run that he did. Beautiful artwork, by the way. Um, you know, or the Batman stuff with uh, Sam Keith. Or, mm-hmm. you know, Marvel Comics presents, even though it's not DC, but just as an example, your anthology books, uh, but things like that. And you just go in, yeah, I see what you mean by adding more stuff because, yeah, then you wouldn't be able to keep it the same price. You'd be adding more to print the whole thing over again and rebinding it mm-hmm. with the new information. But yeah, I maybe do addendums, maybe do like, you know, how Marvel does a lot of their art collections. I say, hey, this is mm-hmm. the art of Todd McFarlane, or, this is the art of, uh, of Ed McGuinness, or this is the art of, um uh, Joe Joseda or things like that. you got to do the same thing with DC, and then maybe you produce those books, and then that way you get the chance to do those added bonuses to certain things. You can tell those stories mm-hmm. in those books. And then you can slap a nineteen ninety nine price tag on those. And again, that's something if you're like, I like this particular artist that works on these books. Okay, well, you can pick up that stuff. You don't have to pick it up. But it mm-hmm. adds to the fandom because then you're going like, I like this artist, I like this artist, and I like this artist. You know, a Bruce Timm one. You can do a Bruce Timm says he did a lot of stuff with Batman Animated Series and things like that. He could talk about a lot of stuff. He's done some stuff with a lot of the animated comics as well. You know, sure. there's ways to do that where you could, you could you could you could you could put that out there for people that want it and do it that way. I mean, goodness gracious, man, can you imagine uh I can't think of the artist's name, but it's the one that did uh JLU uh, or Justice League of Europe or whatever. And um uh, it's the one where Guy Gardner gets punched in the face by Batman the first time. And he just gets knocked out in one punch. Like, could you imagine, like, his art being, Kevin Maguire? there you go. Kevin McGuire's art, best art Kevin McGuire. And he tells the story about how they came up with the concept that Batman was just going to knock him out in one punch. You know, because... And, and, and talk about those things. That'd be some cool stuff, you know, to be a little behind-the-scenes, behind-the-story type thing.
1: That, that would definitely be really really cool. There's only one kind of big problem that I could foresee with that. Okay. And that is aside from like collectors and like comic fans, those probably won't sell very well. Okay. Um if we like so here here's an example. Just just because we went to the to the bookstore over the weekend, last weekend. Smider and I went to the graphic novel section and they had this nice big section for Sandman because obviously the Netflix show people are gonna want to buy Sandman. <clears throat> they had three different versions of the first collected volume to sell Mm -hmm. the first one was just the first 10 issues all put together in a nice thing and that was priced i think it was like 30 bucks the next one was one for 40 bucks uh and it had some extra stuff in it um and so for for just the regular version for the 30 dollar one they had like three uh, copies of of each issue because they knew people were going to buy those. So a bunch of issues of number one and a bunch of issues of number two, a bunch of issues of number three. For the second one, they had two uh, and they didn't even have it for each volume. It was okay. just volume one. And then there was the jackpot one and it's the one that I bought Smiter because I'm a good big brother and he loves me. It's pretty rad. It's uh it's <laughs> it's like a tome of knowledge. It's it's a really thick version. It's so big. The art in it is black and white Ooh. and the reason for that is to save money yeah. on printing. Mm-hmm. And on the in it, it, it's wider than a usual one. And the reason for that is, is because there's commentary on the sides of the pages. Mm-hmm. Oh. And it talks about when when we wanted to get this pose, this is what we were going for. Or when we introduced this character, this is what we wanted. This is where they're from. I bought that for Smiter. Yeah. Because I know that it would... One, he would really, really like knowing mm-hmm. like what the thought process was for writing that thing. And two... That's going to help him figure out when he starts writing from our comics, like how, what, what things he needs to keep in mind for certain things, Mm -hmm. you know, that book was $50 Mm -hmm. and that book, there was only one copy of in that store. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is. Not many people are going to buy that because, one, it's more expensive, and, two, it has information that the average comic person or average uh, uh, viewer of the TV show isn't going to care about. Not even a little. Gotcha. So they carry extra issues of just just reprinting the old book. They had extras of that, and that was the least expensive version. And they know that they're going to sell more of that. But at the same time, they also had the two other ones that had more stuff that the deeper comic fan would enjoy. But they're not going to sell very many of those. Mm -hmm. And so, keeping all that in mind, the only only issue that I would have is that not many people are going to... Like, the general public, unfortunately, is not going to be very interested in, like the sketches that Todd McFarlane does or okay. like the commentary that the writers had for certain things. Yeah. Now us three would be like just frothing at the bit for that. We would love to have that, mm-hmm. but that's just us three. <laughs> and if all three of us buy a copy of that, well, they sold three copies. Yeah. Um. And so mm-hmm. that's why in my mind, the just making, like graphic novel esque, or or just doing the trades, just like that, I think would be more successful, and then also have, like the the big deluxe, behind the scenes ones, uh, sell for a higher price, but uh, know that you're not going to sell as many of those. Okay. And, and that could but definitely work. I mean, that definitely, that definitely
0: feeds on as well. I know um, one of the ones I picked up, uh, and I'll tell you something else that's just interesting too, because you think about this as well. Um, there's a store in existence called Ollie's. I don't know if you guys have Ollie's nearby or not. Uh not familiar? I didn't have an Ollie's nearby me until I moved to Kentucky. And there's like three of them within about an hour and a half to two hours away. Now, the thing about Ollie's is, is you go to Ollie's and there are a whole entire bookshelves. You can get all sorts of books for a lot less than your standard stuff. And you're going to get those books every time like that. Now, the thing about it is sometimes they offer like 75% off sales or 78% even on some things. So like you'll go in and get trades and the trade that would cost you $30 might cost you 9 You know what I mean? And so, but at mm-hmm. the same time, at that point, it's a resale situation. So you're not really, at that point, I don't feel like you're really getting that back to like DC and then because it's already gone to whatever stores they've sent to, whatever big box stores. And then That's correct. once they've gone to the big box stores, they go to the second hand stores, you know, like a big lots or things like that. And so, you That's know, correct. but it, I, I personally enjoy doing a lot of my trade shopping at Ollie's, but there again, it's like if DC had a, a place where they would do sales on their stuff occasionally on some of it, I think that would help as well. Because like, say if you know, okay, like um, I think I'm going to use this because I feel like this is the best example uh, the old milestone trades. Not the new ones because they brought it back, but the old school 90s, 2000 milestone stuff. That, like, Static, case in point, Static never fully traded all their books. They only traded the first two volumes. Icon, I think, only traded one volume. Now, there is a new milestone compendium that's out for, I think it's like 40 bucks, and you get the first 10 issues of some of the books, because they did two of the compendiums. So I think it's the first 10 or 12 issues of Static. It's the first 10 or 15 issues of Blood Syndicate. The first 10 issues of, of Zombie. The first 10 issues of Icon. The first 10 issues of... And so they're doing the first 10 of each of the main books. And then each compendium will carry to the stories to till till their end, basically. So I think they've only really come out with two so far. And I know that some of them, like Icon and Static, were the longest lasting ones. Out of the groups, so because Icon was the one a lot of people bought, and then Static just blew up before it blew up again with the show. Because then when it blew up with the show, like a lot of people, they were trying to Disney was trying to get them to rebring it out, and they just they couldn't do it because that that was when they were in all those legal struggles with uh, the ownership rights and all that stuff. So, and then they tried to acquiesce and allow DC to bring them into the DC universe proper, and then they were still fighting with fighting with them for it. But that's either here or there. But uh, just as ways, if, if you know like certain trades aren't moving, then what you do is you have a thing on your DC website or you have a thing on that where you issue things to stores. Hey guys, for this week, if you've got these trades in your store, we're going we're gonna to slash the prices down to like $9.99 for these trades for two weeks. You know, and we'll send out stickers. You know, or we'll send out books with the sticker on them, or something like that. That way to have them on there, or it'll be a little thing on there that will say 9.99. The barcode will actually read scan for 9.99 instead of scanning for, uh, you know, the 13.99 or the 16.99. But then once these books sell out, that's it. You know, because we're only going to offer this for like a week or two. You know, where you can come get these books cheaper. And you then in that way, the stores are able to let their people know, like, hey, you know, we got these trades in from DC, and they're a lot less than they normally would be. They're all nine ninety nine. Think of like Image does. You ever notice what all the Image trades? I think even Walking Dead did it. The first one, uh, all of their number one trades are always like nine ninety nine or seven ninety nine. And so that might be something that DC would consider, do, should, could consider doing at some point. Instead of saying, well, the first one, maybe somebody, after it's been out for so long, you say, okay, well, we're going to mark down these to this price. And we'll send out the stickers and stuff like that. Or we'll send out the, you know, if stores already have concepts, if not, we'll, they can order if they want them. If they feel like they'll move, they can order them. And then that way they can get them and then have them in their stores. And that's another way to get more fans in and let them get a part of the deal, but also let the comic book stores get their stuff in rows, too. So that way, again, because I feel like the comic book store is still the best place to get comics if you you have one nearby. It really Mm -hmm. is, uh, because there's that community of people who are all kind of there for the same thing, hopefully. Even if it's not the book you're specifically getting, they're all there for comics of some kind. You know, you'd be amazed how many things you're introduced to just by going in a comic book store. Somebody would be like, oh, hey, yeah, man, I see you're picking up uh, hardware. You know, have you ever read Iron Man? Have you ever, ever read, you know, um, Iron Heart? You know, and things like that. Like, it's just is an example of things. But it just feel like there's ways to do it well where your trades become your your, your bigger sales point. And then you keep doing the new stories, and you trade those stories as well. That's kind of my yeah, That's kind of my thought process.
1: Mm-hmm. So, well, that'd be tough. Uh, one, just trying to work together with all the uh, comic book stores to to do something like that. Um, and two, just slashing prices is definitely like the the problem that they're having right now is that they're not making enough money. And slashing prices is gonna, it might help a little bit, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's tricky. There's no, there's no correct answer to the, and no, no correct solution to, to when that happens, like steam does it all the time, but that's all digital stuff, right? And so they can work together with the, the publishers and just have sales. Um, when it's a digital thing, it's so much easier. Yeah. When it's like a physical thing, uh, it's it's really hard. Well, it's like Humble um, Bundle
0: that does a lot of digital comics and stuff like that. they do a monthly bundle of digital comics of some kind. Sometimes it'll be mm-hmm. like a series from IDW or sometimes it'll be uh Walking Dead series or it'll be different things like that. And They do a lot of RPGs and stuff too, but you know, I see what you mean by the digital thing because yeah, digital is definitely easier to move and do sales on because there's not the you're not dealing with weight, you're not dealing with shipping costs because you could just literally download it to your computer.
1: Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, that there's still a, a massive demand for physical copies of things. i mean, and I, we we love getting physical things. We like holding them in our hands and reading them. We don't even own tablets in our house. We don't we don't have like an iPad or anything because. We we'd much rather get the books themselves or get the games themselves, mm-hmm. um, and so that we like that kind of stuff. But yeah. I know that there's a, a large number of people that um, wouldn't mind do going the the digital route mm-hmm. and putting sales on digital versions of comics is easy to do and probably. Uh, would be decently cost effective to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely so. Definitely so. I could. I could definitely see that's the case. like I said, we've we've seen uh, we've seen the results of the digital sales. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, are we in a situation eventually where you feel like it's all just going to be digital eventually?
1: I don't think so. Um, and that's mainly because like other companies I think have um, have toyed with the idea of going just fully digital uh, and there's always still like demand for physical versions of things so I don't I don't think we're ever gonna get to the point where everything is 100% digital uh, I think that they're like digital is a good space especially for like indie comics and like web comics Mm -hmm. um web comics have a have a way of being successful but web comics also don't really make a lot of money um unless they're like selling it but almost all web comics are free to read online um and so they don't really make money and the only way that they would make money and the only way that i've seen for some web comics that do end up making money mm-hmm. is by making a Kickstarter and releasing physical versions of the webcomic. Right. Um, so once again, physical versions are still in demand and um, people will even pay for it. Even if it's a free comic that they read first. Um, and if they're a fan, they'll, they'll pay for the physical thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can definitely dig that. I could definitely dig that, and, and I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, that, th- these are some of the reasons why we dialogue about stuff like this. It's just because sometimes we may not have the greatest answer in the world. You know, we have ideas. You know, but we're not going to necessarily be able to save the comic book, uni- the comic book world, but we, we want to try because we enjoy these things. And, you know, like you guys, I'm more, I'm definitely more tactile than I am. Like, if an artist says, hey, I got the sketchbook for $10 and online you can order did you can download the digital copy or you can pay $15 you can get the print version and then ship it and handling I'd much rather just go ahead and pay the $15 plus shipping and handling and go ahead and get it you know where I can have it on my shelf and then I'm I'm like man I really want to check that artwork out I can go grab it off my shelf and there it is yep and I know which page I need to go to I ain't got to scroll I just flip to it and there it is exactly you know, so that's kind of that. That's kind of where I am with that. But um, speaking of humble bundle, I think I just got a thing for them. Mm. I wonder what comic book. I wonder what comic book thing they're doing this month. They did a Street Fighter a couple of months ago. I thought that was really cool because they did the Capcom Street Fighter stuff from uh, from Image, I think. Mm-hmm. And so where they did a bunch of the, the bigger trades, but the digital versions of them. So they do games. They will do some sort of. They usually do get video games. They usually do some sort of uh big to do about like some sort of digital format of like working like coding or some kind or something like that. They'll usually have that and then they'll usually have um, some sort of other deal like that where they'll go through and do the, do the different things. And so I think that's pretty cool to see mm-hmm. what kind of stuff is out there. But uh, any other thoughts on this whole thing we were talking about? I'm just curious.
1: Uh, I think I've pretty much said everything that I yeah, wanted to Yeah, we've say. covered a lot. Yeah. Okay.
0: Alright. So, yeah, this month they've got the Humble Bundles with the Bushcraft Survival Guide, and then Graphics Design 101, your know, typography bundles and things like that, and then, I'm trying to see if they've got the comics to go to the site and check. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to say something real quick outside of that, which is uh, uh, just uh, congratulations to the family of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, they uh, Chadwick Boseman was nominated and got the award for best animated voiceover uh, for What If episode for the What If episodes. So he got the Emmy for that. And so I thought that was pretty cool. It's always kind of weird talking to people, talking about people when they win an award posthumously, because uh, it's kind of what happened with like Heath Ledger. You know, it's like, yeah, he got this award for Joker. Unfortunately, he was no longer with us to receive be there to receive it himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, but yeah, apparently this month is Star Trek books. It's the comic books, the digital comic book series that you can go and basically you pay different bundle prices. And then based on the bundle price you pay, then you can get the different uh, digital bundles for the books. So they've got everything from Star Trek Year 5 to um, Next Generation and New Visions and mm-hmm. all sorts of crazy stuff. So, yeah. Digital comics, I'd recommend Humble Bundle. No, they don't sponsor us, but I'd recommend Humble Bundle if you're interested in digital comics. They have really good deals on them on a monthly basis. So... Very cool. Right on. Yep. So we're we're done with this today. Uh, Just to let y'all know, the next time we record, we're going to be talking about one of, I know, one of my favorite movies ever. And I know the guys, one of their favorite movies ever. We're going to be talking about the Transformers the Movie, the animated classic itself. Long before Michael Bay ever referred to a Transformers movie as a Transformers the Movie, the Transformers animated movie. We'll be talking about that next week. So get ready for some geek outness with Transformers the movie. Yep.
1: Wh- which Transformers movie?
0: The animated one.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know if you made that clear.
0: I did. I said the animated Transformers <laughs> movie long before.
1: The, the, long v- the rather than <laughs> the, ra- the what
0: long
2: before.
0: <laughs> Before Michael Bay, ever, Before got a Michael hold Bay
2: ever referred to Transformers as, no, I'm not doing that, it's a stupid kids movie. <laughs> he made Peter Cullen... And then he hung up the phone. Yeah, And he, then they came back to him and they were like, but what if we give you more money?
0: Yeah. And he made Peter Cullen try out for it because he had other ideas. Uh, he and then wanted-
2: he... Uh, and then he just made everybody miserable on set because that's like his favorite thing to do. Yeah, he
0: wanted Liam Neeson to play the role of Optimus Prime, to voice Optimus Prime originally. We
2: will cover that in due
0: time. Yeah, no, we won't because I don't want to talk about the Michael Bay Transformers yeah. stuff. I just, want to talk about the, I just want to talk about the good Transformers the movie. movie.
1: We'll <laughs> he also the didn't one. have uh, Frank Welker be Megatron. No, that's which true. Which is also a deadly blow. Yeah. He gave it to some loser named... Hugo think Yes, Mr. Anderson. we we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right, No, guys. he wasn't Mr. Anderson. He was Agent Smith.
0: No, but he said Mr. Anderson. I know. One. I'm
1: just joking with you. <laughs>
0: dun, 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 dun. All right. So it's been fun. It's been real. I greatly appreciate you guys as always getting on here. We've been chopping it up with me about different topics that sometimes, you know, just fall into my amusing lap. And I'm sitting there going like, what do I want to talk about this week? Talk about comic books. I don't talk about what we could do to save it if we had the power to do so. But anyway, that's just our thoughts, our ways, and our wisdoms, our opinion. What are yours? We would like to hear from you, so please make sure to do that. By the way, we're almost at episode two hundred, guys. Yep. Thank you for continuing with us on this journey uh, as we continue to talk about pop culture and all sorts of geekitude and other things. Um, and maybe one of these days I'll actually sit down. Well, I'm not going to do that today. But I'll be it for another day. Uh, so anyway, uh, last words, gentlemen, before we go.
2: Uh, check out my Facebook. Uh, well, my Twitter mostly.
1: Yeah, your Facebook's kind of private. Yeah, check out my Twitter. There you check go. Out check Twitter. out his Twitter. Check yeah. out my Twitter at Roscoe Smiter. Mm-hmm. Roscoe Smiter. One word.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sign out Keep encourage encourage Smiter on his word counts and such. Encourage him. Do it. Do it now. Encourage him.
1: There you go. Uh, my final word is you don't have to be more like manga, but it might help.
0: Okay. My last word is don't forget your past in order to head into your future. Carry, you can carry some things with you that were done really well and then find ways to make those things happen again for other people. You know, find find the things that made that uh, made us. That's as a long word. Pick up, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> so my word will be poppycock, just because I love that word. <laughs> nice, good that's word. a good word. That that's my word, so poppycock. That's a good one. Go go look it up. Go check out the Webster's Dictionary. And look it up. It's vital that you add that to your vocabulary. Anyway, so because you may have moments where you feel like something's poppycocking, you know, yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, so thank you guys for listening to Conversations About Dot 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 where me and the Smider Bros, yes I know, I said smiter Bros. Why did I say Smider Bros? I don't know. I'm weird in the head sometimes. The Rascal Bros uh, and I get together chopped up about uh, DC comic books and what we would do to save them if we had the power to do so. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. And above all else, guys, do me a favor. Be blessed and be blessing to somebody, guys. Take care.